Hey guys, good morning. Welcome to King's Church. You guys have your Bibles? Hold them up if you got one. You pull one, pull one out of the pew in front of you. It's okay. No shame in that. Those of you that got baptized last week should have a brand new one. Hold it up. Emma, where's your brand new Bible? Come on, right there. That's a big one too. That's like three inches thick. We had a great, great service baptizing nine people right here. Good news is by next time we're going to have that a heated pool so I don't have to be scared and be in uh, waiters. I'll be brave and be in there next time. Um, I, I, if you didn't get to hear that message, I'm really sorry. We did not get it recorded. We did not get it live streamed. It was a kind of a, the enemy came with both barrels technically at our, at our technical part last week. So weird stuff happening. So he did not want anybody else to hear that message apparently. Um, but I told a story, if you, if, if you were here last week, I told a story about uh, just in a, in a difficult place, Meg and I and our family, we'd just been in a, a sort of a difficult journey for a, for a season. We were, there was just sort of high stress, um, a lot of extra work going on, um, working a couple jobs, and um, finances were low. Seems like that's the story of our life, right? Whatever. Um, you know, and it was just really seeking the Lord, going, Lord, what, what's going on? I'm called to serve you. You know, I got a call in my life since I was like, you know, 19 years old, and I've committed and seeking after. I'm supposed to do a ministry, but here I am working all this stuff, and it's just hard. And um, I was, you know, I was driving along, I just began to pray. Um, I just began to pray from. Uh, from Luke chapter from Luke chapter three about about the baptism of Jesus, as I began to ask the Lord, Lord, you know, I know you've called me to something, um, to ministry, but baptize me into that wilderness place. And we talked a little bit about that last week, you know, about how from from the baptism, um, Jesus went from the water into the wilderness, and from the wilderness he went into the world. You know, he didn't just get to jump over all of that. He didn't come up out of the water and the crowds were all there. He began healing. There was a period of 40 days of going into that wilderness time to prepare him for his ministry. And I began to pray. I began to ask the Lord to do that in me too, if that's what was needed. And the Lord began to speak some things to me and it just wrecked me. I'm glad I didn't wreck the truck, but he wrecked my heart in that moment because it was so powerful. So I've been dwelling on that theme for for now four years, four and a half years, and I'm convinced that that's just, that's one of the, that's one of the biggest lessons that we need to learn as God's people is from the time of our, from the time of our calling, from the time of our release, and the time of his promises being unveiled in our life, more often than not, there's a wilderness season that we have to go through. There's a time of testing that's required of us to get. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I'd, sometimes those, the, that, that season of testing is not real clearly delineated, you know? It feels like, maybe, feels like some of you are going to say, my whole life has been the wilderness testing. Anybody feel that way? It's like, okay, that's all I've known. It's all I've known is just the difficulty and the, and, and the dryness and the 40 days. Are you kidding me? It feels like it's been 40 years. You know, and my, my heart sympathizes with that. And there's a, probably we can have conversations and say, yeah, that's, some of that is just the difficulty of life. Um, but I, I want us to go back to, to the story and to look at the life of Jesus um, in, in Luke chapter 4 and see if there's some takeaways that maybe the Lord has for us 
about this time of testing and why it matters. I'm convinced that God has to refine us before he can release us. And how many of you want to be released into your destiny? Sure do. It's what I'm made for. I come alive. That's what I live and breathe for is my destiny in Christ Jesus. But there's a refining that has to happen in me before he can release me fully into the world. And, I want, and Jesus is the model of us. So it makes sense that you know whatever God asks of us, Jesus himself has gone through. He talks about that in Hebrews. I want to read a little bit. Um, and I love this translation. We don't have this translation up here. It's, it's the Passion Translation. It's kind of a new one. I don't even know where it came from. Probably, I don't know where it came from. It's only in the New Testament. Um, but I want to read this to you um, from the Passion Translation of Hebrews 4. It talks a little bit about, uh, about the, the Scripture and how this meaningful the Scripture is to us. Um, it says this, for we, for we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, like a two-mouthed sword. Wow. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. Talking about the word, it interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God, for nothing that we do remains a secret. I want to skip on a little bit more to verse 14. Therefore, so then, we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. We cling in faith to all that we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. Anybody frail today? I am. I'm the only one. He sympathizes with me because I am broken and weak on my best day. But God looks down on me in great sympathy and says, man, I love that kid easily. He doesn't have it all together, but he has a heart after me. Sympathizes with us. Listen to this. He understands humanity, for as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way. Y'all say every way. Just as we are, and conquered. Y'all say conquered. Conquered sin. He was tested in every way that we are. Yet he conquered sin. And this is going to dabble a little bit into some kind of deep theology. I'm not going to stay very long there because I barely understand some of this. All right? So I promise I'm not going to try to shoot over your head. But I want us to go a little bit into this. Um, in Luke chapter 4, we're just kind of going to read through the story a little at a time. And I just want to kind of take some of these phrases apart. But it begins this way. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Let's stop right there. Isn't that crazy to think that the Spirit is what drives him into the wilderness place? The other Gospels say that he was driven by the Spirit into the time of testing. Now, I know that doesn't really jive. You know, we pray the Lord's Prayer. You guys know the Lord's Prayer? Part of the Lord's Prayer is what? Lead us not where? Into temptation, right? We ask God that. Lord God, don't take us into these dark places where we're going to be tempted. Yet, it seems, it seems that's kind of like what's happening here. I know there's a little bit of a difference in the two things because Scripture does not contradict Scripture. There's something that's unique that's happening here is that, 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 that the Spirit of God is bringing Jesus into a place where he is going to be refined in preparation for ministry. 
So he was full of the Holy Spirit, or he was full of the Holy Spirit. It says this, he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. So maybe that's one place to begin is that you can say to yourself, if I am, if I am, if I'm, if I'm in relationship with God, whatever difficult thing is ahead of me, the Spirit is still in control of that. Whatever wilderness you might be going through, is it possible that the Spirit of God might be leading you into some of these places? Where for 40 days, y'all say 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. 40 is a big word in Scripture. That's like a prophetic word. Big things happen and you may have fasted for 40 days. I have not fasted for 40 days. I could not survive 40 days. Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. And in one sense, this is sort of a, a, a direct um, sort of a throwback thousands of years before to his forefathers, to his ancestors who were in a similar wilderness, in a similar place, not for 40 days, but for how long? 40 years being tested by God. So it's prophetic that he is there 40 days. In one sense, he's going to undo all of that stuff that they screwed up. Jesus said, okay, you know what? For every year that they were there, Father, I'm going to spend a day here obeying you. They spent 40 years in disobedience. I'm going to be here 40 days in obedience. I'm going to do what they weren't able to do. So he's spending there 40 days in, 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 in the wilderness. It says this, he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Bet he was. Y'all, let's get breakfast and I'm hungry. The devil said to him, and we're going to begin, he's going to begin this series of, of temptations or testings. The enemy shows up and says this, if you are, and all of these, by the way, begin with if. If you are. Temptation always begins with sort of the devil stating something that's true. If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Again, that's another reference to the, to the desert. What did God provide in the middle of the desert? He provided manna. He provided bread. There was no bread. There was no wheat. There was nothing to gather. There was no food out there in the wilderness of Sinai for 40 years. God miraculously provides bread for them to eat. And the enemy comes and says, come on, if you're really the Son of God, make some manna for yourself. Just speak and you can eat. And Jesus answers, by the way, for every if, Jesus responds with the word of God. It is written. It is written. It is written. He says this, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. In other words, there's a lot more that I need right now than carbohydrates. There's a lot more that's required of me right now than to have a full stomach. I've got to have the word of my Father. That's why I'm out here. Keeps on going. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Sort of like in his mind's eye. I don't know how this happens in reality, but the enemy calls him up and in it sort of flashes all of the kingdoms of the world. Imagine all of these great city-states scattered around. Gets a glimpse of Rome. He gets a glimpse of Athens. 
He gets a glimpse of like the, the kingdoms of the Far East. He gets a glimpse of like the, the ancient pyramids of Egypt. All their authority and splendor. The enemy says this. He says, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it's been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It goes back to the word. Verse 9, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Anybody been to the temple in Jerusalem? Christy, I know you have. Anybody else been to the temple in Jerusalem or kind of what's left of it, the wall, I guess, the western wall? At the time of Jesus, there was, it was a lot more than the Western Wall. It was a, all of the walls. And it was, it, was, it, was, it was an incredible thing. White, sort of this white stone that when all the fires of, 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 of sort of, of, of the courtyard were, illumined, were, were, were on, it was night. It was, just a, it was like this glowing building of white up on a hill. You could see it for miles. And what do we, imagine this, if, 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 the, if the enemy leads him up to the temple, what or who would be all in the bottom? People, right? Temple's not an isolated place. So there's something significant about him bringing Jesus to the top of the temple. I guess we need to read it before I get ahead of myself. It says this, um, if you are the son of God, there's the third if, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands. You will not strike your foot against a stone. In other words, Jesus, throw yourself off because nothing is going to... Now, why would, he, why would that be meaningful? That sounds kind of stupid-like, right? Unless you consider the fact that at the top of the temple, there are thousands of people below. Make this, says the enemy, make this public... Prove yourself to the world. Bring honor. Bring acclaim. Let the whole world see that you are supernatural. And Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. I just want to pray for a second. I know it's kind of right in the middle of it, but um, Father, we, we, I ask you, Lord, I ask you that your, that your word would be so deeply rooted in us that we can withstand and we can pass the test. Lord, give us wisdom as to what the enemy is doing so we can pass this test. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at, what the, look at what verse 14 says. Jesus returned in Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Comes in in the power of the Spirit, leaves in the power of the Spirit, and he passes the test. I want to hit a little bit about the idea of temptation. This is kind of a, a, another teaching that we could, and maybe in the future we'll go deeper into. I just want to kind of skim it as quickly as I can. Um, one, of the, one of the big theological questions that we've asked all through history is, can Jesus really be tempted? Is this really a temptation or is this just a farce? 
And we know from what we just read in Hebrews 4 that it was a legitimate an authentic test. And that begs the deeper question is, could Jesus have sinned? And I, listen, I am not like, I am not a theologian. I've wrestled with this question for a while. And, I, and the fortunate thing is that my faith doesn't hinge upon this answer. But I think the answer I mean by that, but he did not have the character to sin. And both of those are required. And I want to give a very weak analogy, okay? I want to put myself in the place of this, maybe just to kind of help you understand that. I have the capacity to be a mass murderer and a serial killer. I have free will. I have anger. At my worst, of course, I have the capacity to exercise violence as a human being. All of us do. But at this stage in my life, I don't have the character to complete, to compete, to 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 um, to commit mass murder. I feel that way sometimes when my children are, you know. So take that really poor example and just sort of inflate that to what we know about Jesus. He has the capacity for moral choice. He can choose what he wants to choose. He is not a robot. You and I are not robots. We're not preconditioned to choose one thing. We can choose right or we can choose wrong. Jesus, as a human being, he is fully human, 100%, not 99%. He is fully human, can make the choices that he wants to make. Yet, his character is astonishingly 100% holy. Mine is not. Yours is not. But Jesus does not have the character to sin. He had the capacity, he does not have the character. So I'm going to leave that. I want to like open up that can of worms <laughs> and just leave it right there. And we're going to come back to it because that's not what really matters. The point is the Bible makes it clear there's a real temptation. What's he tempted to do? These are not just, and here's the thing. Let me read this to you. Fundamentally, temptation is not towards individual or isolated acts of sin. They may manifest themselves in certain things, like I am tempted to do this, or to do this, or to do this. But fundamentally, at the very bottom of it all, what we're tempted to believe, the, the, the fundamental temptation is to believe something that is untrue, and that is, I must meet my own needs. That's the heart of all temptation, is the lie, I have, who's going to meet my needs? And that's the number one, I want to tell you, that's the number one question of human existence. Who meets my needs? The answer to that determines everything else. There's only two questions. There's only two answers. Either someone outside of myself meets my needs, and I have to trust that something outside of myself, or I've got to take control because I have to meet my own needs. You guys with me on that? Either God does or I do. There's no in-between. Either myself does it or someone else does it. Who meets my needs? And, and, And temptation really gets at the heart of that and says God can't be trusted to take care of you. You must take care of yourself. And here's what I mean by that. We're going to look at three things side by side, just in these last, I want to throw a lot of stuff at you. We're going to come back to this in a later series on sin and temptation. Um, but there, there's, there's, there's three sort of core needs that are being addressed here in, in Luke chapter 4. They're also addressed in Genesis chapter 3, and they're also addressed in, in 1 John chapter 2, and they all line up. And the first temptation is to feel something apart from God. 
That's the very first temptation, is to feel something. In Genesis, feel, F-E-E-L. Here's what I mean by that. Flip over to Genesis chapter 3. This is where temptation begins, and this is where sin begins. And I want you to pay attention to the very first thing that Eve notices about the fruit. Chapter 3, verse 6. I don't think it's up here. I'm sorry, but it's, it's, I'm going to read it to you if you don't have it. The woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. We're going to stop right there. That's a very primal need. The need for something physical. The need to experience, to have comfort, to have pleasure, to have fulfilling. The fruit of the tree was good for food. And the same thing comes to Jesus. The same temptation comes to Jesus saying, Jesus, you can, you can meet this primal craving right now. Turn the stone into bread. Do it right now. And he says no to that. There's another temptation, not just sort of for this, for this physical, but for something else. Look at what it says about the tree. Um, it says about the fruit. Uh, the fruit of the tree was good for food. What else does it say? And it was pleasing to the eye. That's something a little bit beyond just the physical. That's a desire for it. That's a sense of owning it. Not just to sort of have this, you know, the, the, this eating it, this uh, experience. I, I want to own that. And the same temptation came to Jesus. He says, all of this will be yours. Just like you can look at that fruit and say, okay, that's, that's pleasing. I want that. I want to take that. I want that to possess that. The same temptation comes to Jesus. Jesus, you can own all of this. You can possess all of this. And it finally says, what about it? And also desirable for gaining wisdom. And that's a temptation for ambition, to be something apart from God. Three temptations. One is to feel something at a, in a very much a primal, physical level. I want to feel something apart from God. I want to have something apart from God. I want to own something apart from God. I don't want to be something apart from God. Those are three things, very real. And in Genesis chapter 3, she's being hit with all three of these. You can have something, you can feel something, and you can be something, Eve, apart from God. Just say no to that. I know what God said, but you can't trust him. God is not going to meet your needs. He's not going to take care of you. You have to meet your own needs. So take things into your own hands, and the same, the, 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 the same things come back to Jesus. Jesus, you can't trust the Father. He's going to leave you out here to die. Turn this stone into, you've got to eat something. And flip over to John, 1 John 2.16. I want to read it in the Passion Translation because it was really good what I read earlier. Now bear with me, I want to find it here. 1 John 2.16. It says this, listen to this. Listen, this is awesome. 
Don't set the affections of your heart on this world. Words. The things of the world. It's good words. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. For all that the world can offer us, y'all say all. All that the world can offer us, and he's gonna, he puts a dash right there, and he's going to give us three things. Y'all pay attention to what these are. The first is this, the gratification of our flesh. In other words, the desire to feel something apart from God. The allurement of the things of the world. In other words, the desire to have something apart from God. And the obsession with status and importance. The desire to be something apart from God. None of these things come from the Father from the world all that the world can offer us it's in 1st John 2 15 and 16 so when it says that Jesus endured every temptation that is common to man that doesn't mean that every particular thing that you have been tempted with he was tempted with Jesus was not tempted with you know, cheating on his spouse. Jesus was not tempted to drugs and alcohol. He was not tempted to pornography. But the things that are common to us, he wrestled with and dealt with and said no to. You guys with me? Okay. Hebrews 5.15, he says he was tempted in every way just as we are. All right, so back to Luke. We're wrapping this up. And we could, we could teach, and we will in the future, a little bit more at length about, about the nature of sin and how that works. But I, just, I want to encourage you, though, I guess. Um, I want to encourage you, though, that if you, are, if you are in a wilderness place, man, God knows what you're going through. If you're being tested, God knows what you're going through. Whether it's something very, very primal, like, God, we don't have enough to eat. We don't have enough bill. We don't have enough money to pay the bills. God knows what you're going through. And I want to say, he doesn't just know it. He wants to lead you through it. I think the danger of skipping over the wilderness is we often want the power, but we don't want the purification. You know? We want the reward, but we don't want the refining. We want it. And the good news is, is that if you're in the desert, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. If you're walking in faithfulness with Jesus, if your heart is for him, if you're practicing saying yes to him, I'm not saying perfectly. I'm not saying that we don't mess up. I'm not saying that we don't sometimes say, sure, I want to turn this stone into bread. Sometimes we're going to blow it, right? God, there's a grace there for that, though. God is saying, come on, let's do this again. Let's take a few more steps together. 
And the voice of the enemy comes back in, and God's going to give you a grace to say no this time. God's going to give you a grace to keep on. And part of that is just staying in the Word. Look at what Jesus did. Jesus didn't, he probably didn't have the strength to counter his own argument. 30 days in, 35 days in, he probably was just so wiped out that all he could do was just mumble Deuteronomy. For as it is written, you shall not worship, you shall worship the Lord your God alone. I'm thinking that's all he could do. That's enough, isn't it? That's why the word is there. It's our, it's our weapon that goes out and counters the enemy. That's all we have to do is just fix ourselves, not just on memorizing Scripture. That's not what it's about. But his, 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 his return of the word back to the enemy signifies my trust is not in myself. I don't meet my own needs. He does. He's going to take care of me. That's a good place to be in. If you're in the desert, you're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Amen? All right, Brian, come on up. Y'all stand up together. There's good stuff that happens in the story after this. It calls us. It calls us to the same thing. It calls us. Guys, let me take you into the desert place. Let me take you into the wilderness. Before he can release us, he has to refine us. So Father, we just we pray, Lord, for the grace to be tested. Lord, your word says that you discipline those you love. You test and refine those that you love. So I thank you that you love us as sons and daughters. Enough to refine us so that we are pure gold, ready for your, to be used for your, your glory, Lord. All right, King's Church, I just want to pray for you too. If you feel that you're just in a, you're in a desert place now, I want to pray for you. We just lift a hand up and I, want to, I just want to intercede for you. Anybody just in a desert place, desert place? couple of us are. So Father, I just, I pray for release of, of, of a fresh measure of grace upon my brothers and sisters here, Lord. Lord, we know that your spirit is with us. Your spirit has led us into some difficult places so that we can uh, be refined, Lord. So we, we, we say thank you for that. We receive that. We submit to the refining process. Lord, knowing that you're not going to break us and leave us, but you're going to walk with us through it. So Lord, whatever you need to refine in our hearts, we say do it quickly, Lord. Father, whatever, whatever things you need to burn out of us to break off, Lord, would you do it today? Lord, this desire for pleasure. It's good, Lord, the desire for food and sex and comfort. But Lord, we will not pursue them apart from you. Lord, the desire for possessions, the desire for things of beauty around us, for homes and clothes and investment accounts and 
um, whatever else, Lord, those are all, those are good. Those are okay. But we're not going to pursue things apart from you. And this desire for ambition, for renown, for reputation, for prestige, Lord, we're not going to pursue that apart from you. You've made us for that too. You've made us to be people of influence. You've made us to stand on the pinnacles of temples and declare the power of God supernaturally. And the time will come, Lord, when we will, in the Spirit, leap off in faith and be caught up in your power. But Lord, we will not choose that apart from you. You give us everything we need. You meet our needs. You meet the needs in our marriage. You meet the needs in our finances. You meet the needs in our health. You meet the needs in our kids. You meet the needs in our career. You are our source for everything, Lord God. Because we don't have what it takes to take care of us the way that we need to be taken care of. So we declare, Lord, you are our everything. Jesus. Amen.